Fake news. <laughs> fake news. Fake news. Welcome to Unscripted with Kirby Hossaman and Bill Petrie. In this weekly podcast, Kirby and Bill talk about the world of marketing, branding, and promotional products. Unscripted is available only at promocorner.com, the leader in digital marketing for the promotional products industry. Now, here's Kirby and Bill. Welcome to this week's Unscripted. I am your host, Bill Petrie, and with me as always, the good time player man from Coshocton, Ohio, Dr. Cosmonaut, <laughs> Professor Kirby Hossman. Kirby, I love asking this question because I know how, I'm, how you're going to answer. How the hell are you? Man, I'm doing fantastic, and I love that I get a promotion every week. I, you know, you say professor, I feel more like Gilligan, but uh, no, I'm, I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, Gilligan, very timely reference. Doing fine, Kirby. Trying to get over a little bit of the touch of the flu, so my golden-throated voice is not as golden as I normally would like it. But you know who is golden, Kirby? Who's that, Bill? That'd be the good people at Aim Smart EQP. You know, we've been talking about Aim Smart EQP for a little while now. But do you know what makes it so smart? It's a combination approach that focuses on growing top-line sales along with bottom-line profits, right? You have to have both to succeed. And some people hear that smart EQP, and they think it's all about buying products for less. But it's really much more than that, much better than that. In addition to the end quantity pricing for more than 100 industry suppliers and top suppliers at that, the AIM Smart EQP system also provides those quality connections with many of the brightest minds in the industry and those cutting-edge training tools that help you grow your profits and sales fast. So you think it as more people join the program, the quality would begin to dip a little bit? Because I think a lot of people think that the more you add, the, the quality is going to dip and the average distributor value would go down. You know, it's interesting. The actual sales volume of the uh, average AIM Smart EQP member has been increasing year over year for more than three years. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, that's, that's really pretty neat. impressive. So yeah. if you're a smart, focused, independent distributor doing a good, volume, good amount of sales and you're dedicated to selling promotional products, this isn't a part-time gig for you. Go to smarteqp.com slash unscripted. Get complete details how to join. And when you do that, you're going to get a free copy of the audio training, how to beat websites, local competitors, and price cutters. And we all want to beat those dirty, dirty price cutters. <laughs> that address, again, is smarteqp.com slash unscripted. Kirby, I know you and I are both getting over a wee bit of the touch of the flu. Yep. So uh, are you ready to broadcast at a balsa wood level today? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think I can make balsa wood today. All right, so yeah. all right, so everybody uh, buckle up for balsa wood. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and start, if you don't mind. Kirby. Yeah, for sure. So one of the things we are are kind of known for in the industry is content. Mm-hmm. We talk a lot about content. You and I firmly believe in the value of content marketing and why it's successful. And it's not just it's what we believe. We've got tactical empirical evidence that that supports that. But one thing you and I haven't really talked about, at least I don't think on the podcast, we always talk about being consistent yeah. in content creation. One thing we haven't talked about is the importance and maybe the critical importance of sharing content you like. Mm, yeah. And I was thinking about this last week because uh, one of our, our loyal listeners, Amanda Delaney from Imagine Brands, she yeah. shares unscripted un failingly every Friday and it always makes me smile that someone who likes the program gets what we do takes the extra step burns the calories to share it online tell me your thoughts on why it's important for people when they see content they like to share it because I think you have a much better perspective on this than I do 
Oh, I don't know if I have a better perspective, but I, um, yeah, I actually talk about this a lot, even when I go out and uh, speak is that, you know, I think you and I talk about content consistency. We talk about content uh, creation, but another way to engage, another way to, uh, that I kind of coach people on is, is the curation of content. Um, Mm -hmm. because I always say that everybody has that voice that voice yeah. that says, who the hell do you think you are? And you right. have that voice, I have that voice. And Absolutely. so when you go to put something out there, um, that, that voice in the back of your head is gonna kind of try to keep you from doing it. Um, you and I try to fight through that. But what I'd say is when people engage with your content, um, they like it, they comment, they share it like Amanda does, it's the ultimate compliment, right? Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's the thing that helps quiet the voice. And so one of the ways I think to build a relationship with somebody online is to engage with what they're putting out there. Um, right. I actually was talking to Joe Durham uh, from Halo the good piece. Hey, Joe Durham is also a good time player, man. He is a good time player, man. And he, he was asking me, you know, what are some of the things, advice you'd give? And I was like, engage. Engage mm-hmm. with clients' content. Engage with other people in the industry's content. It's amazing how quickly, all of a sudden, you develop that relationship with them. And so, I think your point is exactly right. Sharing and and more than just liking. And I've heard you say this is comment. Tell yes. people what you really think about it. Yeah. Um, there aren't that many people who do it. I mean, one no. of the takeaways from the PPI Expo last week is there's a ton of people listening, uh, which is so flattering. Um, mm-hmm. But you have to go to PPAI to understand it, right? Because right. because they're not all engaging or commenting. And when, from, from my perspective, that is one of the ultimate compliments is that when you engage and then if you take it to the next level and share, it it creates a, a feeling of affinity, right? Absolutely. And well, so it's powerful. Yeah. One of my favorite exercises is I do this about once every year because I fall in the same trap everybody else does. It's very easy to uh, flip through Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn or whatever and like something. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a very easy thing to do and you hit a button and you move on. And every year for two weeks, I'll pick a two week period and I will look at every post. And if I'm going to like it, I have to comment. I cannot simply like a post. Right. I have to comment on it. And what that reminds me to do is to be engaged, right? Because right. it is it, with what we're doing, you know, you sit in your office, I sit in my office, we put it out there and we see some limited engagement. I don't think we really understand, like you said, the reach of any of the content we share until we're out uh, amongst the masses, which is a wonderful thing. It, it was, like you said, at Expo, it was fantastic to have so many people come up to us and say, love your podcast, love what you're doing. But that sharing part of it, it burns a few calories, but it means so much uh, in terms of, of it's fuel for me. When yeah. people comment, when people like, when people share, it fuels me to want to do more. It fuels me to want to do better. Well, you know, one of the things that I say all the time is I think we overthink social media to a degree. Yes. Um, we, Social media is much like building a relationship. And so I think it's interesting and and, and not good, bad, or indifferent, just interesting that in the physical world, people were coming up and engaging with us. Right. But online, they're not. It's just just interesting to me. And I think that if you want to build relationships online, you do it the same way you would in person. You engage with people. You you um, make them feel important. You um, comment and tell them what they're doing right. I mean, it's the kind of thing that you would do in person, right? Right. (laughs) um, And so, you know, 
I think it is consistent in that way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. I just wanted to bring that because I don't think we've talked about it on the podcast. So I'm sure you've got other topics. Let's go ahead and move on. Yeah. Um, so this is, you know, it's funny. One of a great compliment I got recently, uh, you and I got for this podcast was that they said, you know, this is an industry podcast, but we talk about a lot of other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was a certainly uh, a piece of it. But this is one I think that has huge ramifications inside and outside of the industry and in that if you've read the the um, stories that Facebook is changing its newsfeed, mm-hmm. um, are you familiar sort of with that topic? Vaguely. Okay, so um, there's an article, and I can, you know, post it out there, but Social Media Examiner has put it out there. Actually, Danny Rosen shared this with me. Yep. And it just talked about how um, Facebook is going to be changing the newsfeed experience. And from, you know, it's always a double-edged sword because from a consumer perspective, I think it's going to be great. Right. But from a, um, a business perspective, if you have built your audience on Facebook, you know, I think the common misperception is that you own those contacts and you mm-hmm. don't. Facebook no. does. Um, <laughs> and so when they change it, it affects you. Um, right. And so as someone who has built an audience on Facebook, this is one that I think is going to have some lasting ramifications. And for mm-hmm. me, because I've been paying attention to it, I'm already seeing it, seeing right. the, the level of the number of eyeballs seeing it, seeing mm-hmm. posts are starting to be affected. Um, and I think that's one of those things that um, moving forward, we're going to need to, those of us who do Facebook marketing are going to need to be... Um, on top of this. You know what I mean? No, I completely, completely know what you mean. I've started to see it too. And, you know, between, you said, you know, Facebook owns those contacts and it made me think of something, you know, between Facebook and Amazon, I'm pretty sure I only own like 3% of my soul. (laughs) Um, But, you know, that, you know, it's one of those things, and I've talked about, I actually talk about this in one of my sessions is, you know, Facebook is free, but there is a cost to it. Mm. It's just like Google is free, there's a cost to it, you know. They you you they uh, don't charge you for, or, you know, Facebook doesn't charge you for hosting all your memories and being able to connect with people and all these wonderful things. But there is a cost to it, and that cost tends to be your contacts, your life. It's why you go from Facebook and go to another page, and you may see ads that uh, you yeah, know or, or product. Yeah, they follow you around. It's very it's kind of creepy. It's kind of big brotherish. But you know, we have to remember. Facebook has to make money too. Sure. And and if you want that free service, which I think we all do, uh, there's a there's a price to be exacted, and that price is they're going to continue to change the algorithm, such as that we want you marketers to pay to post your content or well, promote or promote your content. Yeah, absolutely. So that that is certainly a part of it. But I also yep. think from the consumer side, they're trying to keep it clean. Right? I think so. No, yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah. So it, one of the things that and it, it goes back to your point originally, the very first topic you brought up yeah. is that it makes commenting, engaging, sharing much more critical, much more critical. So that yeah. those are people who are fans of the content. If, if you can create content that gets people talking and not only talking to you as the brand, but talking to each other. That's mm-hmm. going to be super powerful. So, no, yeah, absolutely. I just wanted to bring that up because, I, you know, yeah, we're a promo podcast, but we're a marketing podcast. No question. And, and it's one of those things you have to keep on, on track, uh, keep up with, keep track of. And it is, uh, it's a moving target and it will continue to be a moving target. And just when you think you figured it out, Facebook knows that they need to change things. Yep. And so, 
Um, it's still a valuable tool. Oh, yeah. Uh, you and I would absolutely agree with that. You just have to keep up with it and keep learning it. All yep. right. So, Kirby, one of the things we talk about on this podcast is success stories. I think you and I are both positive people generally. Mm-hmm. We like talking about success stories, but I really wanted to flip the script today. Okay. I'd like to know what your greatest professional failure was and the lessons you learned from it. And I, I, Again, this is I'm blindsiding you, so sure. if you want me to talk about mine, I will while you think. Um, no, I mean, it's fairly, um, you know, I think... I don't Usually they're fairly obvious. Yeah, but. I was going to say, uh, the, you know, the challenge is, I don't know if there's, unfortunately, the list of my failures is extensive, but... Uh, well, and that's a good thing, though, because that means you learned a lot. Yes, and my, by the way, mine are just as long. Yeah, but, but I would say that one of the things that I struggle the most with are, um, you know, the sales side of the business comes pretty naturally to me. Content creation comes pretty naturally to me. The finance side of the business, I have to work a lot harder uh, mentally on. Uh, Mm -hmm. So my lowest points in business are times when, um, when, um, you know, I I just wasn't able to make it all the, the, the puzzles, puzzle pieces come together from a financial perspective. And those are for me just so soul sucking. Uh, and, and there's one in particular where essentially I had to, um, like a lot of people, I'm sure in business, we had to take money out of, uh, retirement to float the business, to get through a particularly tough time. And, um, in our family, we talk about those things. Um, just so the, the girls know that if, you know, in those times, it's probably not the best time to ask for $200 pair of shoes. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, having to have those conversations and that conversation with my wife, but more importantly with my daughter, man, right. that was excruciating. Yeah. yeah. Now, and, and, but you learn things from it. And, oh, and for that's sure. Important. I, I was thinking about this. Obviously, I was going to ask the question, so I thought about mine. And it was right after <clears throat> I lost my job with Guy Brown, which they had moved me down here for people who don't know. They moved me to Nashville to start and build their promotional products division, their company, which I did, did it really successfully, but then they affiliated their office products business, which was $240 million of $250 million of their sales. Wow. They affiliated that with Staples, and because of the conflict of interest, they shut down the promotional products division. Again, no fault of my own or my own team, but all of a sudden, you know, you find yourself out of a job. And I, I looked, I, I was really kind of a rudderless ship. Mm. And I think of one time in particular, and this is the summer of 2013, I, I took a job. And before I even took the job, I knew it was a horrible fit. Mm. I knew it wasn't going to last. I knew that they didn't really get what I was doing. And I knew I didn't buy into the role they wanted me to do at mm. the company. Um, and I took the job. And it was the most soul crushing experience of my life. I've never been at a place where I have been so universally disliked. And it was because of the way the compensation was set up. And I'm not going to get into the specifics of that, but suffice to say that it pitted all the salespeople who I was supposed to be leading against me because of the way I was compensated. And I remember when I finally decided I can't do this anymore. I'm, I'm starting my own thing. It's what made me really start Brandivate. And I remember going into the the gentleman who I worked for, and a very nice man. But we just, you know, we weren't going to be able to work together. And I never forget what I said to him, and he agreed. And and we laugh about it now, but at the time it was horrible. I said, you know, if you offer, you know, if you offer me the job now, 
uh, I wouldn't take it. And honestly, you wouldn't offer me the job now. Mm-hmm. And and he's like, yeah, this just didn't work. And, yeah. you know, he it was an experiment for them. But I felt like such a, gosh, for lack of a better term, such a professional slut because I took the job for the money. Yeah. And I, I, the le- I learned so much. I will never, ever take a job just for the money again. Yeah. Because, you know, like I said, going into it, I knew it was a horrible fit and a horrible idea. So... That, that was a tough one for me. Yeah. And you know what, though? It, 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 to your point, it's so funny. It's almost a little bit cathartic to talk about because, mm-hmm. you know, those are times where you're like, oh, man, I came out on the other side of this. And, it, like, you know, in each um, – and I talk about this sometimes. There's always an opportunity to learn. Like, yep. I think through my worst job ever, and it was one of those where I'm like, oh, okay, so that sucked. But it also told me that I'm never going to treat my employees that way. So Exactly. Like, you know what I mean? So there's all – there's always sort of that – the other side of it kind of thing. no questions that saying um i don't lose but i learn yeah i like it i like it so a, a real quick question for you and i know we yep. want to get to fill in the blank uh but so we talk all the time in sales about starting the year strong mm-hmm. um and creating um momentum mm-hmm. uh, i'm curious uh, i have an opinion on this but i want yours do you believe that there is like there's some magical value in that? Do you think there's value in starting strong? Like, what's your feeling on that? Well, I think you always want to start strong. I, I think the question you're asking is, do I believe in the power of momentum? Yeah. Does it actually help? I, I do believe in it because I think it affects everybody's psyche. Yeah. Um, if you you make a sports analogy, for example, if you lose one game, not not a big deal. You lose, let's talk, use football as an example because there's only 16 games in a season. Right. You lose one game, that's one sixteenth of your season, not a big deal. You have a four-game losing streak, all of a sudden you've lost 25% of your games. Yeah. And that's very difficult to rebound from. Same same view in sales. So assume you look at it on a monthly basis. I know I do. You know, you have a bad month. No, no, no reason to push the panic button. Right. No reason to freak out. But man, you you hit two or three in a row. Then it's you know now we're talking about forecast revisions. You're talking about all these things, and and I think it gets in people's head is wow, are we a sinking ship? Right. Are we not able to do the things we thought we were able to do? Why are we missing the mark so much? I think it causes people to question things. So, I do believe strong months build on each other. Yeah. I do believe that uh, not strong months or, or, or losing months also build on each other. <laughs> right. But I don't believe in this mystical power that you can't break the momentum. Right. I, 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 so it's it's not, to me, it's not this, man. Once you start going down this road, you can't climb out of it. I don't buy that at all. Yeah. I think one of the things I, I kind of made a note of is like, I also, I'm like, I'm always excited to get January started off right, but I think it's also important to note that you can start strong later. Like, yep. you can create a new date, new start date, start over, and and start killing it from there, too. Well, and I do look at every month as its own entity. I do almost look at it like a football season. So we have 12 games every year, and, you know, the, the goal is to do better than I did the same month last year. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, it's a very definable goal in terms of a percentage growth. And either we did it or we didn't. Right. I don't believe in close. I don't believe in almost. Like, I'll give you an example. When I joined Promo Corner, I gave Joel a very specific amount that we would grow sales to um, by the end of 2017. 
I missed it by $11,947. Yes, I know the exact number. And I remember our conversation at the end of the year, and he said, oh, we got we got close, so that's awesome. I said, no, we didn't hit it. Yeah. And that's the way I just, it, to me, it's very black or white. You won or you didn't. Um, doesn't mean it wasn't a great year. Right. But we didn't, we didn't, we didn't hit that goal. And so I, I do, I do, there's some power to momentum in terms of how people perceive things, but... I don't believe in the mystical power of it as affecting the outcome, but there is something I do believe in the mystical power of Kirby. Would you like to know what that is? I would, Bill. I thought you would. That's the good people at Raining Rose and the fabulous lip balms and cosmetics that they provide to this fantastic industry. You know, the amazing people at Raining Rose are really easy to work with. And for those who don't know, and I would hope by now that you do, they're a U.S. manufacturer. So they're based here, right here in the United Snakes. They're a a U.S.-based manufacturer of cosmetic products, and they're the trusted partner for hundreds, hundreds of retail brands in the cosmetic world. So the quality, clearly, top-notch. Yep. And they want to be your trusted partner for personal care promotional products. And as the loyal listener to this platinum-level broadcast, I think we're actually achieving over balsa wood today. (laughs) I think so. They are offering a limited-time special, and I think we're in the last week of it. So you want to go over to their Facebook page, like it, and post unscripted. You're going to be eligible for a free self-promo of their ever-popular EOS lip balm. Special is a limited time, like I said, about a week left, and it's first come, first serve. So you don't want to miss this opportunity. Go out there and post unscripted on their Facebook page, and they will get the details and claim your free self-promo. Kirby, are you ready for a rousing round of fill-in-the-blank? I am, my friend. And now, in all full disclosure and transparency, very rarely do we plan anything on this podcast. Correct. This is one thing we planned. Yep. This is an... Sort of. This, sort of. <laughs> it, it, all, all we know is this is an all big game, and I said that in quotes because I think legally we can't say Super Bowl because we're not a sponsor. Well, it's a good thing so, we didn't say Super Bowl then. Right, because even though the Super Bowl <laughs> is Sunday, if I said Super Bowl on the podcast, that could get the people in the National Football League upset because we said Super Bowl. Yeah, and so, so, anyway, good, so it's a good thing we didn't say Super Bowl. Correct. So this is a big game-themed fill-in-the-blank. So Kirby... I'll go ahead and start. Okay. Between Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, the person more responsible for the Patriots' success is? Oh, man. That's a tough one. Uh, You're damn right it is, Kirby. Yeah. It, you know what? It's, it, the, the real answer is it's a combination of the two, but I'm going to lean toward the player. I'll go Tom Brady. I think that we have witnessed a, what is it, a 17-year span where that guy just wins. I actually heard a stat this morning that I I just loved. So literally, they they went back and looked, and over his career, uh, like 66% of the time, he made it to the AFC Championship game, which means his percentage of getting to the AFC Championship game is higher than Blake Bortles' completion percentage, (laughs) which is absurd. So I'm going to go with Tom Brady, um, mainly because I lived through an era where Bill Belichick didn't have Tom Brady as right. the Cleveland Browns quarterback, and it didn't go as well. So, well, but he was still successful in Cleveland because he did do an eleven and five season and took you to the playoffs. So don't, no, no, don't. absolutely, but he wasn't the Bill Belichick we know, right? Like, no. and that's and again, it's the power of having the right quarterback in the NFL. Well, so, I'm going to go with Tom Brady. One can only go so far professionally with Vinny Testaverde yes, as your signal agreed. caller. I totally agree. Yeah, and by the way, love. Like that, I have so much respect for that organization. I I envy it. The Browns? Uh, <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, okay. So here's the the best Super Bowl ever was. 
That would be Super Bowl, I think. Uh, I'm going to say 23. Okay, that's impressive that you remember that. Because that was the year, that was the first year of the Cowboys' second Super Bowl stretch okay. in 1992 okay. and 93. Uh, the first Troy Aikman, Michael Irvin, Emmett Smith Super Bowl. I remember I just gotten out of college and I was so excited because I was a Cowboy fan as a kid and, right. and watching Roger Staubach and you know Drew Pearson and Tony Dorsett and to see a new incarnation of that and to watch them just completely dismantle the Bills. <laughs> um, it was you know, and I know it's a boring game for anybody who's not a Cowboys fan because it was a blowout, but I loved every second of that game. Yeah. And there's a couple I can think of, but that's one that really sticks out so much. And, and my favorite was I was watching it with one of my really close friends and at his house with his parents, and his dad had to be 60. And there was a player on the Cowboys named Kenny Gant. He was a, a situational safety, okay. and his nickname was The Shark. And so he played special teams. He played third downs. And when he made a big hit, he put his hand straight up above his helmet like a shark fin and kind of do a high kick routine just kind of a dance <laughs> you know a little, a little dance because he was the shark right and i'll never forget seeing my friend's dad who had to be i don't know 62 270 and and pretty sedentary not the fittest guy i'd ever seen <laughs> and kenny gannon made a big hit and he got up and put his hand above his bald head and goes hey 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 <laughs> and as he does the little Kenny Gantt shark dance. So I, I can't I can't go away from that one. <laughs> can't, can't get that image out of your head. No, no. That's fun. All right. Kirby, the greatest play in Super Bowl history was? Oh, man. The greatest play in Super Bowl history. You know, I watched – it was a couple years ago. Was it the when the St. Louis Rams um, – I think that they won against – is it the Titans? Yeah, that was more than a couple of years ago. Yeah, well, at any rate, I was watching that game. And that very ending sequence where yeah. they got almost to the line. That, I mean, to me, that was the epitome of what that game should be like. Yeah. Like where it's just... Ending on the last play, either oh, either like, either great victory or death. Yeah, so that was that's probably my favorite. Just because, again, there's so many Super Bowls that aren't very super. And right. um, so, and you know, we've had, we've had some pretty good games here uh, yeah, in have. recent history. And... That makes it so much more fun, especially if you don't have a rooting interest in the game, to right. just have a game that's interesting. That's what I root for most of the time. So that no was question. pretty awesome. Awesome. Cool. Okay. Well, I'll throw this one out. The winner yes, of this year's big game will be? Good question, Kirby. <laughs> I'm going to have to say, um, here's the problem I've got before, okay. I, give my, <laughs> before I give my, my prediction. Much like you, I respect greatness. Yep. Um, I admire it, and regardless of what you think personally of Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, uh, Tom, uh, 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 Robert Kraft, what they have built is something to really admire, especially this day and age in sports where it's very difficult to build a dynasty. And the fact that you know this is Bill Belichick's eighth Super Bowl in 17 years is amazing. Yeah. That being said, I can't stand the Patriots. <laughs> I I I. I don't and, and and then here's the other thing. I'm a Cowboys fan, which means I I can't like the Eagles. I loathe the Eagles, and the way they treated the Vikings fans both before and after that game only underscored why I can't stand the Eagles. Any any group of fans that uh, throws batteries at Santa Claus, I can't I can't abide. 
And it's the only stadium in the NFL that actually has its own jail. Come on. <laughs> so I really have a tough time. I, I, I don't have a dog in the hunt, but I'm going to have to go ahead and root for greatness. And okay. I would like to see Belichick and Brady ride off the field one more time. Maybe, and who knows? I mean, yeah. they could be back next year, but I, I, I'm going to go ahead and pull for greatness. I'd like to see a close game. I'd like to see it come down to the wire. Yeah. But I'm going to go ahead and pull for Brady and, and Belichick. What about you? I, I'd like to hear your prediction because I was going to ask you the same question. Okay, so the, the the winner of the Super Bowl this year will probably be Bud Light. Bud um, Light. <laughs> dilly dilly. I, dilly dilly. I, I think that, uh, that uh, generally speaking, that's what ends up coming out of the Super Bowl is the, the, the uh, interest in the best commercials. Uh, I'm probably going to – I, 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 too, don't have a rooting interest in the game, but my daughter actually roots for the Philadelphia Eagles. And Aww. so I will probably root for the Philadelphia Eagles because that will make my daughter happy. That, 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 stings. <laughs> that stings. Well, she actually, she said to me when she was trying to choose her favorite team, she obviously wasn't going to root for the Browns because that is a hopeless exercise, and she's seen, it, right. seen me go through that. But then she said, who does Bill root for? And it's I said, well, true. the Cowboys, That's... and oh, well, then I better root for the Eagles. Fake news, <laughs> fake news, fake news, fake news. All right, I got one more for you. Okay, cool. Your favorite game day food is? My favorite game day food is probably chicken wings, um, okay. and, and, and which how... is interesting to me because I am not a chicken wing guy. Okay, so it, but that's a, it just feels like the right thing to eat on Super Bowl Sunday. Okay, how will, how will you prepare said chicken wings? Will you get them from a, a restaurant, a store, or will you prepare them the Hossman way? No, I'm actually much more of a consumer in this way. Okay. I either, if it's, you know, something that has been prepared uh, at wherever I go, or mm-hmm. I will order it from a local establishment. And there's a place okay. here that has chicken wings that are about the size of chicken legs, and I love mm-hmm. that. So Good. and and I'm a so, and, and you may know this, but I'm not a big spice guy. So pretty no, pretty not. pretty basic chicken. Okay. So I'm down with that. All right. Okay. And really quickly, your yes, your favorite beverage for for the Super Bowl is. So that's a good question, Kirby. About four or five years ago, I stumbled across a lovely concoction, and I always have at least one on Super Bowl Sunday. So I I do like the occasional Coca Cola. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a kid, I drank them. All the time, and I love vanilla Coke. Okay. So one Super Bowl, I went into the uh, freezer where we keep some of the vodka, and there was vanilla vodka. Mm. And I thought, I wonder if this would make like a really good vanilla Coke. You know what? It kind of does. <laughs> um, so I will have one of those, but then I will switch to switch to beer. I will go to – there's a, a liquor store and a beer place about a mile and a half from me called Red Dog, and they have a great uh, – they have an absolutely great beer selection, and I will bring my trusty Imagine Brands 64-ounce Promo Corner branded growler nice. or two. Yeah. And I will load those babies up, and I will enjoy the game in mass quantities of wings, and I'll make some guacamole. I will make homemade guacamole on, on Sunday, and it should be a good day. Nice. That's cool, man. Awesome. Well, Kirby, as always, a pleasure to do this with you. And it's also a pleasure to be associated with the good people at Aim Smart EQP. Just one quick reminder if you're a focused independent distributor who's really focused on growing your business, go to smarteqp.com slash unscripted. Get complete details how to join. Kirby, are they going to be sorry that they did? They will not be sorry that they did. 
Thank you, Kirby. Again, always a pleasure to do this Platinum Level broadcast with you, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to Unscripted with Kirby Hossaman and Bill Petrie. Unscripted is available every Friday at PromoCorner.com, the leader in digital marketing for the promotional products industry.